0: All right, welcome back to The Abnormal Christian. I am Brad Mason. I'm here with my wife, Natasha Mason. Hello. There she is again. She's saying hello, nice and soft. Trying to get her more uh, vocally involved. Hello. I'm trying to get her to talk more and speak more. She's not. Um, I think uh, for me, um, I go, just a little background on who I am. We haven't really talked about who we are very much. Um, mm-hmm. My name is Brad Mason. Yes, uh, the Mason uh, clan of Clan Mason. <laughs> so uh, um, it's a little bit late in the episode to kind of be, uh, or the show to really be kind of um, not late, but to be introducing who we are and where we're oh, from well, and talking about us a little bit. Late so
1: never.
0: A little short story about me. It's not very short, but I'll try and keep it as short as possible. But I grew up in um, Lexington, North Carolina, which is very close to where we live now. Um, We moved uh, when I was five. I want to say we moved five. My dad was uh, going to Bible college, so we moved away. Uh, We moved to, uh, man, I don't want to remember. We moved to Madisonville, Kentucky, I think. Mm, Probably the first. I think it's where we moved to. My mom could hear this and would be able to fix my bad memory. Um, But we moved there then we moved to um, Greenville South Carolina. My dad went to Tabernacle Baptist Bible College there under Dr. Harold Seitler one of my favorite preachers of all time Uh, very gifted man of God if you get a chance go on YouTube and listen to uh, his sermon on grace that junk will move you. I'm telling you, it was preached probably 20, 30 years ago. I remember I, I, I told mm-hmm. my wife, hey, listen to this, and she listened to it, and she said, I can still feel the power of God, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I still get kind of goosebumps sitting here thinking about it. It's that good. So... um yeah, it's pretty crazy, um, but anyway, so we went to uh, Greenville, South Carolina. We moved. Uh, we moved a lot. We moved a lot when I was a kid, and I'll just cut that short because it goes everywhere. New York, From, Arizona. Yeah. so we were all over the place. Back to Kentucky, uh, the, just back. and then we wound up when I was, I want to say when I was fifteen, I wound wound up back in North Carolina. Uh, the main point in all of that is, is that my dad was a in a Christian radio, uh, more gospel radio th- over the years, and I was around uh, the. Speaking in front of microphones and the radio type of broadcasting stuff. Um, I did music for a long time. Um, sang when I was a does kid. Do music. Yeah, I still do music, not as much as uh, I think some of us would like. He's but fabulous. He's okay. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so you know, I have a I have a more of a penchant to stand in front of a mic or sit in front of a mic and talk. And I was also blessed with a gift of gab. So uh, the Lord knows uh, at some point along the way, uh, you know, I think when I was fifteen. God called me to be a preacher and called me to preach, uh, and I've, I've told people before, he didn't call me to pastor. That's not what he called me to do. I'm not supposed to be leading a church or a congregation, anything like that, uh, but he did call me to preach his word, and I've done that. In my 20s, I was, you know, I preached in a couple churches, um, and I've preached a little bit around and about. I don't do much of it anymore um, simply because I work just about every weekend, so, uh, and, and then the opportunities, you know, I always leave that up to God as to to what he wants me to do. So, um, uh, you know and when you listen to the podcast i think that comes through a little bit more um that i tend to talk a whole lot more than my wife so that's kind of why and where it comes from so
1: i don't have the gift of gab
0: yes and we're trying to get you there so eventually you will get there and you'll be you'll be there with I me you did not
1: move around as a child
0: no you did not you were stationary <laughs>
1: right here where we are one now one
0: spot she did she I actually brought all this equipment to the one spot she's been all her life <laughs> she's not moved from this spot they had to bring her food and education and everything else right here so no but she is a hometown girl and she is this i mean i can't say anything bad about it, I love it, so uh, yeah oh yep, so um, it, you know, you listen to us, and uh, I think um, I think a lot of times when you get into um, listening to people who are Christians talk about walking with God and talking about struggles and things like that, um, the one thing that always goes through my mind when I hear people talking is, well how do they know? you know? I mean, how do they know? Well, they don't know what I'm going through. They don't know where I've been. They don't know the struggles that I've been in and the, and the things that, I, that I've had to deal with and um, the difficulties. So, you know, for me and just me uh, telling a little bit, I'm not going to get into everything in my life because I don't think everybody needs to know my whole life's another business. But um, but I, me personally, I've had to deal with a lot of the struggles, you know, I've been in relationships and we'll talk, we're going to talk a little bit about depression this episode. Cause I'd mm-hmm. say we're going to mention that, but I had been in a relationship with somebody a long time ago who, um, was considered bipolar, who had dealt with manic depression. Um, and it was, uh, not good. It wasn't good at all. Um, and so, you know, and I went through, through my early twenties till I met, not till I met you cause I met you in high school, but uh, from my twenties to thirties, story yeah till my late 30s when we got married um, you know that was that was a long period of my life 15 15 18 years of just constant battle. I mean, it just, yeah, it was a constant struggle financially. Um, I don't think people even understand, even the people that know me don't understand where I was at. There was a lot of times where I had no money in the bank. There was a lot of times where I had, um, negative 400, $500 in the bank. And, and, you know, and some people might be saying, Oh, that's not bad. I've got worse. Well, I'm sorry. I hate to hear that. Um, but for me, that was devastating, you know, because here I was, um, trying to raise a family on that and and it was just a constant it seemed like for a good 15 years and it it was a constant beat down and, um, you know, and I, I think, uh, a lot of times I shook my fist at God and I, um, I probably didn't say a lot of pleasant things to him and I'll answer for that. And I know that, and I don't, I'm not happy about that. I don't appreciate any of that. Um, but I, you know, there was those struggles and those things in my life that I didn't understand and why, you know, I think we, <laughs> the dumb thing is we always ask this question. Why am I going through this? Why me, God? How come, how what, come
1: what did I do? What did I do? What did this? you? And
0: you know, and a lot of times I know the answer to that already. Um, because I made the stupid decision. I made the dumb choice. God never put a dumb choice in my life. He never put a stupid decision in front of me. I did a lot of the things that came in my life. The struggles that I dealt with were mine because I chose them because I didn't have the wisdom to see um, that this is something I shouldn't be doing right now or this is something I shouldn't be involved in. You know, I think in so much of that, we look at our lives and we say, wow, I'm going to blame God for this, you know, but you're the one who made that choice. God didn't tell you to stick a needle in your arm and start doing drugs. God didn't tell you to do that. He didn't, you know, he, he, he gave you the wisdom to run away from it, but instead you played with it. Next thing you know, you're doing something you shouldn't have been. And so, you know, when we sit here and we talk, we're not talking so much From the perspective of, wow, we've been holy people all our lives, and this is how you should live unto God. Which, you know, there are people out there who have. There are people who have been holy and righteous unto God all their lives, and they are, I, uh, you know, I look at them and I, I don't want to say envy because we're not supposed to envy, but I am.
1: I, you look at him and you wish that could have been you.
0: Absolutely, I'm like, so amazed. Billy that Graham, have been me, right? Billy Graham. We've talked about him before. Billy Graham died a couple of weeks ago. Um, Billy Graham. One of the things I always remembered. I told you before uh, was when he traveled. He traveled with. If he had to travel with his secretary, they would always stay at separate hotels. They didn't stay at the same hotel. If they had to go to a venue, they rode in different cars. The, he kept everything in his life separated to the point so there was no accusation. So nobody could say, I think he might have been doing something with his secretary. They stayed at the same hotel, they rode in the same car. He had this mentality that I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be above reproach in in the public's eye. So I got to figure out how to live my life before God. I wanna live before God wholly unto him. And so I've got to be extra, extra careful because the devil's going to come after me. And I think a lot of us, you know, when I was young, I don't think we really give a lot of thought to that. We don't no, really huh? think about, um, we don't think about how we're living before God. We're just trying to live, you know. And so when I look back on those guys, they could give us a better understanding of how to live holy unto God because they did it their whole life, which is awesome. But at the same time, uh, I don't think they could give us a very good understanding of how how it was to struggle with some certain things that, um, that we've had to struggle with and, and be in some relationships and some, um, some things that we've had to be in. And it's, yeah, we put ourselves there. That's not any kind of a, that's not, you know, making excuses, but it's saying, um, You know, when we come in on this show and we're we're giving you ideas, um, it's really from the idea that we we want to be more um, want to be more like Christ. We want to allow Him to reign and rule in our lives and to have full measure of of His activity and everything He needs to do through us. We want that. That's what we want, one hundred percent. And coming from the idea that I can look back on my life and see the areas where I didn't do that, you know, um, I want to do that. And so
1: now we have a full understanding of.
0: We have a better understanding, yes.
1: Yeah, a better understanding, and we want to live more like we should have our whole life.
0: Right. But and so, don't, don't
1: be deluded to think that we... No.
0: And so I think a lot of this, uh, and the reason I want to bring all that up, um, there's, a, there's a whole lot of stuff in my life that um, I wouldn't put out. I don't think it's necessary. I think one of the last things I think Christians can do is to glorify the sin that used to be in their life. I think it's very dangerous. Um, Uh, when I was growing up, you'd always hear about this preacher. There was always a preacher who would come to your church and he was a drunkard and he was a Mm -hmm. pill popper and he was a a rabble rouser and he was out there on his motorcycle hanging out with the hell's angels and they were beating up people. I remember I heard this story a a dozen times from a dozen different preachers, you know, and then God came in and saved me from my, you know, and when you're sitting there as a kid and you're listening to this guy, you're like, holy cow, listen, listen, he was riding around beating people up. He almost killed somebody. This is crazy. Jesus still loves him. Right. And so we're, And no offense, that's his testimony. That's the truth of his life, and I got that. But at the same time, I think it winds up sometimes glorifying the sin. Because it says, "Oh, they're not trying to. They're just trying to tell you how bad they were, right? Um, That
1: God can save anyone. Yes.
0: Um, But at the same time, I think a lot of times, uh, back when I was growing up, they used to hold up the guy's hand, like, you know, hey, he's better than, or he's great because he overcame this. But little so-and-so over here, this old lady who lived her life holy and righteous under God, nobody held her hand up to say, sister so-and-so avoided sin all her life. Look what she did. You know what I'm saying? So there was a little bit of that in there. And so I think you have to be really careful when you talk about um, specific sins, when you tell people what you did in your past. I don't think people need to know every sin that we do. Um, I don't think it's important for me to go out and tell people of, of any thought that I had or any behavior that I did. They don't need to know everything. You don't need to. You just need to know that I'm undone and I was unworthy as anybody else, you know, Um And the bad thing is, is I probably should have known better than anybody else for some of the things that came into my life. You know, we we both were taught better. Absolutely, I was raised in Christian school. I was raised. uh, I never went to public school a day in my life. um, I was raised in a Christian home. This is not a. You know, my life is not a story of the bad preachers' kid because we weren't. No, um, no, no. No, I think uh, you know, up until my twenties, uh, w- doing what I thought I should be doing. Um, but a, a lot of that had it was most of my life was centered around bad relationships, really. So you I
1: started know, to say, "I'm sitting here looking at you. I'm like, no drugs, no, no alcohol. It's more, no, it's
0: just bad choices and bad relationships, things like that. <laughs> so, um, so not it, this one,
1: not this one.
0: Yeah, well, we won't, won't we'll, we'll bring it up. Won't we'll get into it. So anyway, um, so getting back to, we're going to get a little bit of uh, talking about depression this week. Ooh, depression. Isn't that so exciting? It's so happy. Um, It is. It's only a hot topic because of uh, one of my friends wanted to discuss it on another podcast. So I thought we'd bring it up here. And I told my wife, I said, we'll talk about it. Uh, You know, he's going to get the full measure of what I think about depression (laughs) and I will uh, will air it out on our show as well. Um, Depression and the first, you know, going into depression, um, if you're depressed, if you're Having any kind of depression in your life, um, there are ways out of it. There are ways around it. There are ways to be free from it. Um, is depression solely? Um, is a depression solely for people who have mental illness? No. Your, My wife is a nurse, so she can answer this. Um, and I'm, yeah, I threw that out there, but so <laughs> what? It's not like anybody's going to come on the show and ask you to fix something. So calm I know, down. I know. But uh, but the point is is that depression is not solely for people who are mentally ill, right?
1: Okay, I'm a nurse, but I'm an emergency room nurse, uh, so I see mental illness
0: a lot. You do, but you also we know people. Who, have you ever been depressed? Yes. Uh, wait a minute. You're you're mentally ill. No. No. And I I can tell you you know I've been depressed. I've had to dep- plenty of depression. I think uh you know I, I think all my friends, I know all, most of my friends have been depressed at some point. Um I think uh man, I just and, I think and
1: that's normal. Sure. I mean it is. Right.
0: There's a normal and that's what I think we're we're kind of looking at is um the normal what's normal depression look like and what's uh what is a mental illness as it's classified as. But I'm not even getting into the mental illness part. I'm just kind of talking about general depression. Yeah. Um, because that's all I really know, and that's all I can really speak to. And I think uh, one of the things, a couple things when we talk about it, because uh, my friend was wanting to talk about this because uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, The Rock, right, right, right. had mentioned this week that he had battled and that he had dealt with depression. And people were like, oh, he's such a, look at him, he's such a shining example so because handsome. he's talking about, um, because he's talking about depression. I <laughs> don't <Well>, he's so <laughs> handsome, he's talking about <laughs> depression. I mean, that was... I mean,
1: he's so handsome, what could he be depressed about, it, really? Right,
0: and that was where I kind of was want to is kind of get to is, um, you know, I think the world has a different understanding of uh, joy, and, and really not even talk about mm-hmm. depression, but they have a different understanding of joy and what joy is, and uh, they think, uh, when they look at somebody like Take the Rock, for instance, uh, Dwayne Johnson, they look at him and they think, Wow, well, he's got lots of money, he's got lots of fame, he could get all the women he wanted.
1: And he's
0: handsome. He's handsome, you've said that three times. <laughs> um, he's, I mean, he's got everything that... That he could want why would he be what depressed what do you think that he could want why would he be depressed it doesn't make any sense it doesn't i don't understand
1: well obviously he still feels like he's missing something
0: uh, because he's human being he's going to have depression people yeah, have I mean, depression not
1: everybody's going to be no rainbows and butterflies every moment of their life
0: no and and you know I think if you look you want a, a good example and here's the here's the difference between Christianity uh, believing in Jesus right you know giving our life to Christ um, if you're not a, a believer and you're listening to this and you want to know the difference between us and the world I'm getting ready to kind of define a little bit of it but those who who um, believe in Jesus those who believe in Yeshua and give their life to him if you look at them and you look at the the majority of Christians think to yourself and try if you know some Christians how many of those people do you do you know that are consistently depressed or in a uh, a state of drama their life is in such a, a shambles that everything is chaotic and dramatic and over the top and it's just I can't think of many I know maybe I know a lot of Christians and maybe one person I know maybe two that has some kind of crazy stuff going on that just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me or them, right? But I think when you look at the majority of Christians, Bible-believing people who love God with all their heart, who are diligently seeking his will, you're going to find those people, they deal with depression, but they deal with it in uh, moments. They don't deal with it in long stretches, eight, 12 months, two years. It doesn't, a lot of times, I'm not saying it doesn't, but a lot of times it doesn't lead up to suicidal thoughts and suicidal actions and it doesn't for the, I'm saying, I'm sure there's somebody out there who's dealt with that. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I'm saying for the majority of Christians, that's not how it works for us because our depression isn't defined. Uh, it's not who we are. I think when you look at the world, right, and they deal with depression, first thing they want to do is send you to somebody to get you medicated. They want to get somebody to give you the the idea you've got to have a doctor or a psychiatrist to, uh, diagnose you with this uh, this problem. They're going to give you some antidepressants. They're going to give you some medicine. And I'm not saying any of that stuff is uh, wrong. I'm not saying that any of that's wrong. I'm not saying giving you medicine for depression is wrong at all. Uh, maybe that's what somebody needs to help them get through I mean, it, right?
1: there are chemical imbalances, and there are are situations that put you Mm, we're, we're more flawed. susceptible such as pregnancy when your hormones sure. are sure we're, we're humans this, this flesh
0: is this body that we live in is it, flawed it is and it's got all kinds of there, there are reasons why people go blind and people go deaf and people get cancer and people and it's because these bodies corrupt and we're, we're corrupted by sin this is in us it's living in us and it's going to work in us and it's going to cause all these different problems that we have um, but there are also some things that that are in us that we can do something about you know I think when you uh, you look at, uh, look at depression in the world, right? And I was kind of going somewhere with that too, is um, even the world has figured out how to get out of it sometimes the, through the medication, through the therapy, whatever it is, they, they find a way out of it. And the main thing here is really oh, what, is, what is it? Um, but there are many, 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 many people who wind up committing suicide because that depression got so bad and it went so far and that, self, that feeling of self-worthlessness got to be so strong. That or to they be were hopeless. yes. You look at um, um uh Lincoln Park, who's the uh, the the guy there? Chester Chester Bennington, Chester Bennington the lead singer. That uh, a year or so ago, not even a year, um, committed suicide. You say, oh, you were in a huge band, you were making lots of money. He had a, he had f- five kids, wasn't Robin it? Robin
1: Williams. Or, or I mean, I yes. Mean,
0: just... There's a history if you look at Hollywood and musicians. There's a long list of people who have either OD'd on drugs or who have committed suicide or you know. Um, but, you know, the question and the, the thing that I asked you the other day about depression was, how many people do you know who are depressed consistently to the point of suicide um, for somebody else? Like, you know.
1: Right. Because we, we were saying that depression is a selfish.
0: Well, I, it's a self. I won't say it's selfish. It's self-centered. But it's selfish. Right. It's, depression is focused on me. Um, it's, it's,
1: and you said, who is so depressed to the point that they would commit suicide for someone else? Right. Like, you have cancer. I am so depressed for you that I'm going to commit suicide.
0: You know, it's the Romeo and Juliet. I think she was so in the story. She's so upset because uh, she thinks he's dead, or was it the other way around?
1: I don't know. And she was going to die. She was going to kill herself. Right? Or he? She woke up and right,
0: and then she killed herself because of that. She's so depressed of her love for him because he's gone that she can't stand to live without him. And that's a story. But still
1: not being depressed for the other person. No, it's still not being depressed for my situation. Right,
0: right. And I think that's to me. I'm not. That's why I say it's not. I wouldn't say it's selfish. I would say it's self focused. Depression is very self-focused because it's the way my environment makes me feel, the people around me make me feel, my family makes me feel, my friends make me feel, my job makes me feel. Uh, just waking up in the morning makes me feel. You my know, situation. And this is. And how does this relate to the, the the word of God? So when we look at the word of God, the one thing that the Bible is always, and I keep saying this over and over, the Bible is going to tell you is that your heart is continually wicked. Your heart is continually wicked. Your ho- your emotions are a derivative you. yes and they are a derivative of your heart your heart is going to lie to you your heart is going to tell you there's a lot of people you'll hear country songs you'll hear rock songs you'll hear the media news TV they're, you're going to see people that are going to stand up and they're going to tell you you know what you need to do all you need to do is follow your heart and I'm like nope not going to do that that's the worst thing you could heart do will betray you. your heart will lead you down a path this is we talk about of dumb you know look at all these dumb decisions that I said I, I, I talked about from making earlier heart related you know, exactly not head related not knowledge related you know this the scripture says Study to show thyself approve unto God, right? Study is knowledge. Study is putting that stuff in my head and knowing. This is where when we sing these songs, Standing on the Promises of Christ my King, right? We sing Standing on the Promises. Why are we standing on the promises? Because we know that is a truth. That is a knowledge. That is a fact. I don't have to. I don't have to have a feeling about that. It's an
1: objective thing.
0: Right. I don't need a feeling. I don't have to feel like, oh, maybe these promises are true or, well, they don't feel so real today. No, absolutely not. The, the promises and the truths of God are consistent. They're always constant. And so when the Bible talks to us about our emotions and about how we should feel, um, it goes from the point of don't trust your heart, number one, because your heart will lie to you and your heart will deceive you. And then it tells you, number two, you need to have a new heart. And David says, create created me a, a clean heart, oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me because the one I have is weak and it lies to me and it tells me I'm I'm no good, and it tells me I'm not righteous, and it tells me I'm unworthy. And it tells me that I'm wrong, and it tells me all these horrible things. You know, this is the greatest, this is the greatest tragedy of humanity. I think uh, that our own self, our own body, whatever you want to call it, your own heart wants to lie and betray you so much. And and we we think the devil is out here working to keep people away from God, and he is. But at the same time, your own heart that's in you is trying to keep you away from God, and it's telling you you are worthless and you don't mean anything, and that God couldn't forgive you, and that your God inner, doesn't love inner you. Inner voice. Yes, and that he does doesn't you know he he doesn't want to have a relationship with you and so we you know when as a christian uh, before we're christians if if you're not a christian and you don't know that god loves you and you're dealing with that and you've got that stuff inside of you it is going to eat you up and it's going to rot you from the inside out because it's going to consistently pound and pound and pound that you're worthless and that you're you know and like i said the world can figure they figure out a way to overcome it but I won't say that they, they figure out a way to overcome it to the point of it being gone. I will say they will they figure out a way to uh, to cope with that, a coping mechanism, how to uh, medicate it, how to uh, whatever they do to get past. Drink it away, right? How, whatever they got to do to Peel get past that feeling of of worthlessness. But as the believer in Christ, once we we're giving our life to to Christ and to God. And he says, you know what? I'm going to take you and I'm going to take the old dirty person that you are and I'm going to take that broken heart that you have and I'm going to take all that lying that it does to you and I'm going to immerse it in the blood of Yeshua, and I'm going to wash you in that, and I'm going to cleanse you and clean you in that, and then I'm going to put my heart and my spirit inside of you, right? So now I'm not listening to what the heart that's in my chest is telling me. I'm listening to the spirit who's inside of me because the heart that's in me is still there. The old dead man is still there, and he's still whispering things that aren't right, but the Holy Spirit of God is there also. So now when the heart says, hey, you're worthless, you don't mean anything, the Holy Spirit of God is saying, no, I gave my life for you.
1: But if you don't have that, right. you can easily see how depression can oh, just absolutely. overcome someone. Eas- you know, anxiety, depression, everything. Yes. Because yes. you don't have any yes. hope. You don't have anything outside of yourself to hope.
0: And I'm not saying, you know, it. I think, I, and and the, I, I want to be very guarded in this subject too, is because I don't want people to get the wrong idea to think that I'm saying that Christians are never depressed because we are depression
1: is, is a fallacy. Right? And no, absolutely not. I'm not saying it's That's sin. Not case, I'm not but. saying
0: it's a sin to be depressed. As long as we live in this body, we're going to have to deal with things. This is the reality of it. We're going to have to deal with the failures of this flesh. You know, I've got type two diabetes. It's a fact. I'm gonna have to deal with that. Uh, I got to deal with that, and it's not fun. And I mean, there's a lot of things I should be doing. I don't, and things I should be doing, I do. But it's it's uh, it's not not a, it's not a sin. It's not like hey, you got you know you got a brain tumor. That's a sin. No, it's not the same thing. Depression is the same thing. Just because you are depressed doesn't mean that that it's a sin. We're um, just
1: saying if you have issue in your heart, you have someone to help. Right, because this
0: is what – we had this discussion. I asked you, and you said, I don't understand how people can live when they don't have – Hope. Yeah. If you don't know, if you don't know what hope is, right? This is, and this, I go back to. We talk about atheism a lot, and this is one of the underlying things that I have. This is one of the biggest problems I have with atheism. If people don't want to believe in God, that's your business. If you want to believe that there is no God, that's fine. Don't tell other people that because you can't prove it. You'll never ever to be able to prove that there is no God, um, and you could say the same to me that I can't prove that there is a God, but I think I can. But the point is, um, you know. How do you go around telling people that there is no hope? You know what? Oh, it's a shame your mom's going to die, but when she's dead, she's done. You know, there's no hope for anybody in that There's no, no hope for those people when you say, hey That's um, depressing Tragedy, you know, there was a hurricane There was a hurricane that hit in Louisiana Which one was it, do you remember? Katrina Yeah, big one, wiped out Louisiana Big, big thing right there uh, Just, it was devastation People were down there there was, a, there was a woman on the news And she was like, you know, I've been praying And, and a helicopter came and it gave me some water Because that's what God said he would do He would not forget us and he would provide us with something like water You know, there's a scripture that went with that And, you know, then I think I listened to one of these conversations Comedians, Bill Maher, one of them, who's an atheist, and they were just rambling on about oh, Christians praying for people. And I thought, you know what? You're not offering anybody hope. You're just saying, guess what? Bad things happen in this world. Too bad you have to take it. And there's nobody who can help you. There's nobody who's going to be able to intervene, right? So if you're, if you're in another country, if you're India and you're in China and you're suffering and you're struggling and you're starving oh, well. and you're hungry, well, too bad. Guess what? You Sucks know, for you. What's the point of doing charity? Well, I mean, really, what's the point of doing charity and helping the other kids in other countries? Why should I worry about people starving? I saw a thing today. It was a picture of three men who were in Libya. Their ankles were tied together, and they were hanging from a window of a house, and they were being sold into slavery. It's still happening in the world today. You people who are bent out of shape about what's happening in America, look over there. There are people still being sold into slavery, right? But from the atheistic mindset, oh, well, that's too bad. It's too bad. Somebody owns you. Somebody buys you and sells you. That's too bad. That's just a consequence of life, right? I mean, isn't that what Darwin's uh, uh, survival of the strongest is all about? Whoever's got the most money, whoever's got the most talent, whoever's got the most brains, these people survive, and these poor people over here on the side don't matter. Too bad. Well, that's depression, man. I mean, how could you ever want to live in a world like that? You know, you, you wonder how these megastars with all these millions of dollars, how they wind up killing themselves. They, they were in movies. They were in TVs. People loved them. Throngs of people love these folks. And they take their own lives, and, and the people sit there and go, I can't believe he did that. And the truth of the matter is, well, he did that because he doesn't believe he has any hope in anything. Money, he didn't believe in money anything. Money hope. No, absolutely not. So, you know, you look at it, and you go, and the, and the argument here, and the, the plea here is even if you're not depressed, is to know that there is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's not hope in this world. There's nothing in this world Mm -hmm. that is going to give you purpose and meaning in your life ever. I mean, you're going to find some things that are going to make you happy for a while, and you're going to be content a little bit. But there's not anything that's going to give you any kind of an eternal hope, because when it comes down to it, we all going to stop and think about, I'm going to die soon, one day, and I've got a, what's going to happen to me?
1: Nothing's going to give you that just full to exploding filling
0: no of,
1: no. of- What God
0: can—that's right—and as you know, as the Christians, we deal with depression. And how do, like I said, how do we deal with that? We have the Holy Spirit in us to redirect us and to focus in in His Word. One of the things that that I did when I was dealing with a lot of—I was in a really bad place—was to get in His Word and to go back to His promises and to and to speak it to myself. I mean, there's a lot of times when I would just read the—I was in the in the house all by myself—and I would have the Bible in my hand and I would be reading it out loud to myself. There's nobody there. I went, I'm literally, other times, I preached to myself because sometimes I think this flesh that I live in needs to hear the Word of God and needs to have me tell myself that this is what God has said, this is what he's going to do, and this is what he means, and this is how it's going to happen. And I might feel like crap today, and I might feel like nobody cares today, but that's not what this says. That's not what his word says. And you know, honestly, it's it was for me, and I can't say it'll do it for everybody, but for me it's really it it gave me another day to keep going. You know, it gave me another day to keep getting up and keep going and surrounding myself. You know, I listen to the we talked about music with the Orange County Supertones and things like that. The reason these groups that I listen to are so important to me is because they came out and they're they're bringing the word of god into what they not just happy-go-lucky christianity music I mean, that, don't get me wrong, that stuff's okay. But I mean, I liked stuff that was going to hit me with scripture, stuff that was going to hit me with the knowledge and the truth of God's word, because that's the stuff that I needed when I was depressed. I didn't need to go listen to some sad, soppy song that was going to drag me down in the pits. So um, so it, there's different, you know, uh, we look at it. It's, it's very, you got to be really careful with all that stuff. I'm not a, uh, number one, I'm not a therapist. I won't say I'm, you know, I don't know anything about all the therapies and all that stuff. And what the doctors say and all that, and do. Um But as a Christian, I can speak to a Christian who's been depressed before and had to deal with some really bad situations in my life. And the only thing that ever got me through it and the only thing that did me any good was knowing that I was forgiven and loved. You when know, you
1: don't feel like there's any way. No. Like you don't, you feel like you've been forgotten by God and you feel like you've been forsaken.
0: Right. And I think, you know, I'm sitting here, and I'm talking, and I think I get a little passionate about this, and I think I got real – I get real passionate about the knowing part. The knowing mm-hmm. part is so important to me because um, because I know that 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 I know – I can't say that enough because that's the truth. I know that God is real, I know that Jesus saved me from my sins, I know he died upon a cross. I know that He is at the right hand of the Father. I know the Holy Spirit dwells in me, I know He overcame sin, I know I am an overcomer through him who overcame the world. These are truths from the Bible. these are not things that I make up to make myself good, feel good. These are things that were written in the Word of God that have lived inside of my heart in my life and even when there's bad things where I've failed and I've done something that's wrong, I know also that He says, if you will repent of your sins that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And those are knowledge. Those are promises that are knowledgeable and truthful in his word. And when I can stand on that and when I stand upon the promises of God, then the feelings, the emotions that I have, um, I'm able to put those to the side and say, you know what, you guys really don't matter so much because the truth is what it is. This is where we've talked about... um, the modern church that we, and so much to talk about, and I warn, and I am so I can't say it enough be very careful with emotionalism in the church. You have to be very careful with emotionalism in the church because you will provide people with a feeling of security. They will have a feeling of being right with God when in reality, the truth is they are not. So, and and this is what I see. I see the we are, um, we're conditioning the people to come in and have an experience. You know, there's one church, local church, um, that has uh, meetings over in Winston Salem, and they don't have a church service. They have what they call experiences. Come to the 11 o'clock experience or come to the 10 o'clock experience. And I'm not saying they're doing anything bad, but I'm saying you have to be really careful about um, feeding that emotion because you're going to feed the heart of a person and the heart is going to lie to them and the heart is going to tell them you're okay with God. You don't need to change. God can accept whatever you're doing. He's okay. It's okay. And so what we're doing is we're feeding we're feeding somebody who's dying, but we're not giving them the medicine they need. I mean, that's the honest truth. you got somebody who's dying of a disease and you've got the cure in one hand and you've got a loaf of bread in the other and you're just throwing them breadcrumbs and you're just like there you go keep eating keep eating keep eating and he feels good because his stomach is full but he still has the disease that's going to kill dying. him right so that's you know, that is emotionalism when we feed that heart and we feed it and we give it all these things and, and tell it all these wonderful whispery things it tells this body you're okay and you're not so bad off but the word of God says you are undone without him and you're undone without that sacrifice and so that's very very I, I'm keeping my eye on that. That, Cause I see that growing within the, the Christian realm. Um, outside of that, my, that was a, uh, very passionate and quick episode, but that, that was our episode based on (laughs) depression. And so, you know, if you know somebody who is struggling with depression, you know, somebody who's going through this type of stuff, um, you know, you're more than welcome to come on our Facebook page, leave a name, we'll pray for them. Um, let them hear this podcast, share this podcast with somebody. If you think this can help somebody share it with them again, I'm not Dr. Phil. I'm not any of these people out there who can answer all your questions in 10 easy steps, um, but I can point you to somebody who's going to make your life a whole lot better off than it probably was if you didn't have him in it. So uh, from us, that's been this podcast. We hope to see you, uh, hear you. I won't see you, but we hope to hear you. We won't hear you. Hope you hear us <laughs> on the next episode. Thanks for being with us, and uh, we just pray God blesses you.
1: Bye.